so my research in this space really began, um, I was home visiting after my first year of my doctoral program in Joplin, Missouri for my brother's wedding when the F5 tornado hit in the spring of 2011. And so I ended up staying throughout the summer and I witnessed small business owners vowing to rebuild and making this commitment almost immediately after the disaster, despite the fact that there was a four mile radius where there was essentially nothing. So there were no customers, there wasn't the infrastructure. And I just got a sense of this commitment to the community and almost an irrationality with regards to financial decisions. And so that was the first study. And what we found is that people will forego their own economic benefit for the sake of the community initially. And that's really driven by um, the attractiveness of the community and the interdependency belief. And um, but unfortunately, we've learned from other disasters, specifically earthquakes and hurricanes, that this initial influx in business activity tapers off after a three to four year period. And so my concern is really for the longevity and the viability long term um, for communities like Lyons and Jamestown. Have you been able to look at those communities specifically with regard to the flood and the impact on small businesses? So I haven't um, collected all of the data just because it only has been one year and typically it's the three to four year period. Um, But, you know, despite the fact that Um, you know, these are smaller communities. It is actually very similar to the larger cities such as Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans and the Northridge quake in California. Um, So I expect there to be this initial boom, but as you said, the gentrification, these small businesses, the ability of housing and the ability of employment are the two main drivers. Um, And it typically takes, um, from the research that I've seen and conducted, um, it typically takes 10 years for a population to return to pre-disaster levels. Um, so this isn't going to be something that occurs just in the first year or two. It's going to be a very long process. And of course, then the ability for small businesses to recover is so connected with the ability of the town's population to do, to recover because that's the business. I mean, they are the customers in many ways. They're so interrelated. It's They're so dependent on one another. Um, And that's where my research, I'm really diving into that individual decision making rather than the macroeconomic trends. So um, they're making this decision to rebuild almost immediately um, because of their emotional ties to the community. And we're trying to dig deep and understand, are they truly evaluating what the business opportunity is in the future instead of just replicating and doing what they'd always done before? Um, And again, this gets back to the viability long term of the business Um, because, you know, small business failure rates we know in Boulder um, are high um, in general. But communities that suffer these disasters, they experience failure rate at a higher rate. So I'm hoping to understand those initial decision making processes so that policymakers, city governments, chamber of commerce can possibly interject into that process and the rebuilding process. And so at this point, it's all about learning from the Jamestowns and the Lions so that we can help future communities. Can you learn from anything from other communities, like you mentioned, Joplin, Missouri and some other communities that have suffered uh, natural disasters? Is there anything that can be learned that maybe those policymakers and community leaders can implement right now in the rebuilding process? Yeah, you know, every disaster is different. Um, Joplin received a tremendous amount of media coverage, national media coverage, um, presidential visits. Um, And so it's important to keep the attention and the spirit going um, so that the community members and specifically the business owners feel support. Um, But then again, it's, you know, that 
always that feeling of supporting local business is key. And they should be able to enjoy that spike and support for the next few years. And in Lyons, of course, now we're at the one year commemoration, not just Lyons, of course, the entire uh, front range that experienced mm-hmm. the flooding, a lot of events happening to keep that kind of front and center. Right. But what it typically is the pattern in terms of when that starts to fade for the wider population in terms of attention? Um, well, it, again, it depends on the news cycle. And Joplin was lucky that it fell in a period was, where there wasn't a lot of other things happening. Um, for Longmont and Lions, it's, of course, been the focus um, consistently throughout the year here locally. I would say, though, the national coverage dropped off quite quickly as other um, things occurred in the news cycle. Um, we saw this with Hurricane or Superstorm Sandy. Um, it was a horrific event across a huge swath of the northeast um, coast, but because it fell so close to the elections, the attention was kind of cut off. And so it'll be interesting to see long term how that attention impacts it. And is that national focus, is that important or is it really just about as long as people locally are aware that this is still a community in recovery and still needs support? That so that I haven't important. So I haven't teased apart those differences of the local versus national coverage. That's not really what I do. Anecdotally, um, it appears that the national coverage is important for generating that spirit um, and the sense that it's important. And people in Joplin specifically are still citing um, the attention that they received. Um, President Obama is going to be attending the high school's reopening that they are rebuilding and reopening this this month, actually. Um, and so I think it's important um, to get that coverage still. And I expect that we'll receive some of that this week, as people remember, especially with the Weather Channel and other national news coverage. Well, Desiree, let's talk about your work and mm-hmm. and uh, what has been your experience? Have you looked at other communities that have uh, experienced natural disasters that might in any way uh, inform community leaders, policymakers now in the recovery process here? Well, there's a fair amount of um, work that's been done uh, on other communities. And our focus is we're com- comparing the communities um, in the hard- three hardest hit counties in Colorado Boulder, Larimer, and Weld County, and trying to understand their processes um, and their decisions going forward that are either more or less likely to help them lead to a more resilient um, community in in the aftermath of that destruction. And um, to to piggyback on something that was just said, I think that um, another reason why the national coverage is important to continue and to... to, um, to um, generate that spirit and so forth also goes to resources because so many of the resources, um, for example, in Lyons, this is a town with something in the order of a million-dollar town budget and only 17 permanent staff members before the flood, and they had tens of millions of dollars of damage. So they're relying to a great extent on FEMA and other external sources. So as attention shifts away, those the state of Colorado and local governments certainly are still paying attention, but those external resources are really critical um, for towns that are faced with such destruction that it really goes beyond their capacity to deal with. So those are some of the things that we're looking at. Um, and, and for your question regarding gentrification, I think that that really goes to some of the processes and some of the considerations communities are dealing with now. Um, so if, 
I, I'd be happy to, to chat a bit more about that. But I think that these, um, these communities, we're seeing a lot of different approaches that they're taking to their recovery and rebuilding process. And I think that that's going to be important in predicting what we see in the long term. Well, we'll talk about gentrification in, in just a moment, but I would like to touch on something that Jennifer Dinger, you said that it often takes about 10 years for a community to return to the pre-disaster population. Is that a fair assessment? Well, what does that 10-year recovery process look like? Is that often the same people who were all displaced, who it's taken them 10 years to come back? Or is there a portion of the community who will never return for a variety of different reasons? And so the people who are coming back 10 years afterwards, it's a very different community afterwards. Right. And there is no guarantee that the people who exit um, will return. And we saw it with Hurricane Katrina um, in Joplin, about 30 percent of the population um, migrated um, to other areas regionally. Um it's hard to say in terms of tracking individuals specifically. It definitely is new people coming into the community, but that's why small business is so critical um, because small business is tied to larger unemployment rates, innovation, knowledge transfer, um, just general human capital levels. And so that's why small business is such a key. Um, and while the population recovers, the economies typically never recover fully. They usually settle at 90% of the pre-disaster levels, and that's where they stay. Um, but in communities where the small business comes back stronger, um, they're closer to the pre-disaster levels. So while it's fabulous for the big box stores and the corporations to return, and it's typically easier for them because of the capital that they have, um, that's why it's really important for small business to receive um, not only the federal funding, like Desiree mentioned, um, but also support from the community. Well, Desiree, what are your thoughts on that about what a post-disaster community looks like compared to the pre-disaster? When you have maybe, if we look at the pure numbers, maybe the population numbers might return to the pre-disaster uh, level maybe 10 years after a disaster. But if you look at actually who is in that community, it, could often, it can often be quite a different makeup. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, a couple of things are important to note in that quick rebuilding happens in part because of FEMA requirements um, in terms of timelines and type of rebuilding that happens. And so some communities are really having to push to rebuild differently, to rebuild better, um, to not just have to put things back the way they were and therefore be in a, a high-risk situation again. Um, so that also has to do with some of the timeline. In terms of who makes up these communities, um, it's a really important question going forward because we see in, in Estes Park, for example, they don't get a lot of attention, but there was a large immigrant community that worked in a lot of the service sector in Estes Park. In Evans, their hardest-hit area of the community was a low-income trailer park that housed a lot of undocumented immigrants. So this is beyond just Lyons um, and certainly Jamestown. A lot of communities are seeing these same things where their most vulnerable residents are the ones hardest hit. However, in some communities, you see a lot more awareness and acknowledgement. For example, in Lyons, town officials clearly state that 
part of the reason people live in Lyons and perhaps not Boulder or another area is because they love that diversity of income levels of, um, you know, artists and professionals and people who work in the service sector. So they want to maintain that character. And I think the awareness by government officials and also the inclusion of the, the public in rebuilding and recovery processes going forward is why you can't you can't make it go back the way it was in terms of the demographics of people. It's the best approach we have for probably encouraging that. So, for example, in Lyons, they have an incredibly inclusive process, which um, a lot of people are studying just their process of how they're having all of their residents sign up for various task forces to work on deliberative processes about what are their, what's their housing going to look like, what are parks and recreation areas going to look like, and um, roads and bridges and their historical spaces and, and assets. And so that's a process where I think they're giving themselves the best chance to recover and to bring back that kind of inclusive and diverse community. And we're not seeing that across all communities. So I think that there will be lessons to learn in, in terms of that and what um, kind of best practices are for encouraging that long-term recovery and, and um, diversity of residents. That's Desiree Anderson-Crow. She's the Associate Director at the Centre for Environmental Journalism at CU Boulder. She's one of my guests, along with Jennifer Dinger, who's a doctoral candidate in Management and Entrepreneurship at the Leeds School of Business. And we're talking this morning on KGNU as we are at the one-year commemoration of the historic floods of last year, talking about what it means for communities to fully recover, maybe comparing to what's happened in other communities around the country that have suffered natural disasters. Disasters. What does it mean for a community that relies on small businesses that does not have big box stores, for example, Lions? And what does it mean for communities that have lost so many of the low income and affordable housing like we've seen in communities like Evans and Longmont, where entire mobile home parks have been wiped out and will never be rebuilt again? You're listening to Community Radio KGNU. I'm Maeve Conran. And don't forget, you can go to our website, news.kgnu.org, to see all of our coverage that we've had this week of the one year mark post flood, but also some of the coverage that we did in the early days of the flood a year ago. Well, Desiree, you, you cited there the process, what's happening in Lyons, where it's a very conscious thing. People are very aware of the people that have been displaced and there's a real conscious effort to recreate that community, to bring those people home. Despite that consciousness, are there other factors at play that could really just make it inevitable that a certain part of the community will never return? Because, I mean, if you've had to move away and then you've maybe had to find employment from where you've lived because it's now not possible to do that commute. Maybe your kids have had to go to a new school and you've lost that connection with your neighbours, that sometimes those are just insurmountable despite the best efforts and the best intentions of the community. Yes, I think that that's exactly right. And I think that's um, that's something that community leaders need to guard against. In Lyons, for example, they, for a number of months after the disaster held um, weekly and then monthly community meetings in Longmont because not only were for two months was their own community not habitable, but additionally, most of the people who were displaced in, especially in rental housing and so forth, had moved to Longmont. And so it allowed people to be involved in town meetings who might not otherwise be. But I think that really is 
it's a reality. I don't think there's anything that community leaders can do to completely guard against that risk. However, um, I think there needs to be some level of awareness of um, deliberately bringing those people, soliciting their input, and also providing them with assistance in moving back to the community if that's really a valued asset. Like Jenny was talking about, these small businesses are such an important asset to communities, and certainly the local population is their customer base, but the local population is often also their employee base. So it's really this interconnected um, problem where if you don't have a lot of these people who may be lower income, who may um, bring that diversity to a community, you may also have trouble keeping your businesses local because they're going to have a hard time finding people to work in the service sector. Um, I know Estes Park is wrestling with this. I expect that Lions will be too. And so this is something that community leaders need to be aware of and be working with their business community, certainly with their housing planning task forces or boards in order to make sure that those people don't just disappear from the community. With Jennifer Dinger, you've been looking at the economic resilience of communities following natural disasters and and what role small businesses play in that. When we translate that economic resilience into maybe social resilience as well, what role do small businesses and their recovery play in the resilience then of the community and that social fabric that we see? I mean, for example, you know, being able to walk to your local coffee shop and meet with your neighbours or to get your prescription filled at the local pharmacy as opposed to having to drive somewhere. I mean, it's not just an economic benefit to have the small businesses back, but it it would seem that there are other social benefits too that are also as important to the recovery process. Right. There were also a string of storms this spring um, in late April, um, some tornadoes that hit Baxter Springs, Kansas, Valonia, Arkansas, and Mayflower, Arkansas that were pretty devastating to those communities. And I've been conducting interviews Um, repeatedly with the business owners, and they have said time and time again that they received calls the night of the storm before they had even seen it in daylight from their customers expressing how important it was for them to return. And most of these people have seen bumps in their business since um, rebuilding or restarting. And so they're continuously getting feedback of how important they are um, to be seen. And the customers express how it would have been very difficult to perhaps not have seen the Weston's Cafe that had been there for decades. Um, If that hadn't returned, who knows how it would have impacted the neighboring businesses. But another point that I think is so important is, you know, these billion dollar disasters are occurring The U.S. often sees more than 10 per year, $10 billion disasters. Um, And because of the frequency of those now, we're seeing support from communities. So there are social ventures in Joplin that then helped in Moore, Oklahoma, which then we saw them out here last fall helping um, to spread. So I think now as a community, we, Coloradans who suffered the flood, we have a responsibility to then go and teach the next communities and help them through, especially um, with this issue of losing the population, um, because the people that migrate, like as Desiree was saying, that's going to be critical for the long-term viability. If that employee base isn't there, the businesses are going to suffer. Um, and so I think, especially Lions, um, because it is unique in that it is a smaller community, but they did have a vibrant downtown, and it is coming back, um, that we have a responsibility to then share that. 
And then, of course, beyond that economic benefit of having that uh, employee base, of course, just to have your neighbours back and a diverse community as opposed to a more affluent community and the people who could afford to move back. Absolutely. Well, Desiree, is it too early in the process, one year after the floods, to really have an idea of how towns are recovering, given that, you know, I've heard not just from Jennifer and yourself, but this 10 year mark as really being that kind of benchmark for not just full recovery, but a real noticeable recovery after a natural disaster? Yeah, I think it is too early to some extent because, for example, the final community, Lions, didn't even move from the emergency response to recovery phase um, and rebuilding phase of this process until the middle of December when all of their members, their community members were back in the town who could be and when basic utilities were restored. So we haven't had a full year of the recovery and rebuilding yet. And I've heard by some estimates that the actual recovery and rebuilding doesn't really start in some communities until a year after the disaster, simply because there is so much emotional and physical and infrastructure drama and trauma. And because there is quite frankly, a lot of paperwork and hoops to jump through for reimbursement processes and so forth. And so communities spent probably most of the first half of this year just trying to figure out what they were going to do and how they were going to get the funds to do that. And in many cases are either kind of patched things back together temporarily or or are only now starting on some of the long-term rebuilding and recovery. So, But at the same time, I do think that we can start to see these processes, like that very inclusive, deliberative process in Lyons, for example, that we don't know that what the end result will be, but we can see that they're setting themselves up for a more successful recovery than they otherwise might. We don't know what it will look like in a few years, but so far it appears that they're doing the right things to hopefully give themselves a fighting chance. And and I completely agree with what Desiree said. I think it's great that they are taking that very um, deliberate process and, and that they've waited um, to take some action because the first several months are about surviving and now it's getting a level set of what the new norm is for Lions Colorado. So... And I, I recently took a walk in one of the most hardest hit areas, uh, the confluence area downtown, a lot of older homes there. There was the mobile home, one of the mobile home parks was there mm-hmm. and it was eerily quiet. And this was on Labor Day when you would imagine a lot of people would be home having barbecues, just a handful of people who are either back or in the process of rebuilding. And I know that there have been many barriers and, and for a whole variety of reasons and uh, what else can be done beyond the awareness and, and the process that is really looking towards inclusion? Is there anything that can happen at a state level, at a federal level that could speed the process along if that's even possible so that people can be brought back to their communities? Um, from from my perspective, I agree this has been devastating. I grew up in Longmont and my dad spent most of his um, his later years in and around Lyons for about 30 years. So the first time I drove through um, last December, I I was very emotional seeing the destruction in such a special place. I think that so much of it, when we see success stories, the resources from outside are incredibly important, especially for a town that has such limited capacity like Lyons. However, I think that their chances of recovery 
have more to do with what's going on inside that community and as Jenny termed it kind of the spirit of the community and I'm on Lions's um, listserv and they send out daily updates they're really fantastic at communication to the to the public and they are really doing an excellent job of keeping that spirit of um, kind of championing the idea of their community and the idea of um, recovery and of togetherness. And I don't know if that will last, but certainly so far, that internal um, ability, despite such limited resources, has really been amazing for me to watch. And I think other communities could take a lesson from what Lyons is doing. Perhaps Lyons was forced into it because they're such a small town, but whoever's coming up with these ideas in their town governments or around their town government, it's, it seems to be what needs to happen um, because some of that can only happen from inside a community. Jennifer, do you have any final thoughts? No, I, I, I'm really excited to see what's happened in Lyons. I haven't been up um, to the Jamestown area um, yet, um, but I think, you know, what Desiree said in terms of the spirit of the community, the social identity, if they can maintain that, that's going to be critical for the long-term um, viability. Jennifer Dinger is a doctoral candidate in management and entrepreneurship at the Leeds School of Business at CU Boulder. And she has been studying the economic resilience of communities following natural disasters. And Desiree Anderson Crow is the assistant professor in environmental studies program and the associate director of the Centre for Environmental Journalism at CU Boulder. And she's doing some research into three of the counties hardest hit by last year's flood, Boulder, Larimer and Weld County, looking at their recovery process. Desiree and Jennifer, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you very much.